Hi everybody and welcome to the ARC360 podcast brought to you in association with ARC360 corporate partners Solera Auditex, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance and S&G Response, as well as our partners Repairify, Gemini Accident Repair Centres and Prasco UK, and associate partners Trend Tracker and Thatcham Research. Please do check out all of these businesses for any of your automotive claims, repair or supply chain needs. In this episode, recorded late in 2022, we speak with Dean Lander, Head of Repair Sector Services at the Insurer's Automotive Research Centre, Thatcham Research. Dean offers up an insight into the continued evolution of Thatcham Research's offering, from its updated approach to training, combining the virtual and the practical, to its upgraded facility and its development of its Gamston vehicle testing and research operation. Dean also discusses the pace at which the ACE automated, connected and electric agenda is moving and highlights where he feels the industry might be headed in the future. He also reveals his close association with social media stardom. Enjoy the podcast. Right, fabulous. Good to see you, Dean. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good man, good man. Thank you very much for inviting me down to uh, Thatcham Research today. First time I've been down for many years and uh, I've noticed quite a few changes. Tell us a little bit about what's going on out there. Just a few. So we've, um, we've kind of reinvigorated uh, our practical and physical training facility to match our digital training capability. So our uh, training at Thatcham is now very much on a everything's blended approach which means that we use both digital attributes like e-learning platforms and channels like teams for education along with the practical attributes of our automotive academy here at at Thatcham Research to ensure we get a fully rounded approach to delivery of training through underpinning knowledge through to the practical skill and capability required to repair the modern vehicle. So we've really just expanded our training capability. And what we've done over the last year to 18 months is bring our internal facility up to the same level, look, feel, agility, adaptability as our digital platforms like eCademy. Well, I have to say it looks fantastic out there. Not only have you expanded sort of your... uh uh, or advance the academy in look, feel, and how it works out there, functionality, but also scale-wise as well. You've now got a, a sort of new addition out the back. Is that right that you showed us? Yeah. Well, we've had we've we've traditionally had our technical training centre and a secondary unit on the back, which has been our apprentice centre. Um, many many years ago, I and the team wanted to move away from having a a separate centre for apprentices. They're young technicians who are joining older technicians that are working in body shops. Why do we separate them here at Thatcher? So it's a real cultural ethos for us to remove that segmentation part inside the facility. We did that, um, but we didn't make any significant changes in the facility. We just closed a secondary reception off, brought everybody in through the same reception door. What we've done now is we've got the the umbrella of Thatcham Research Automotive Academy, but inside the academy, we've got four distinct academy centres inside. So we've got our VDA centre, which is everything from first notice of loss to the outcome decision. What do we do with that car? Does it go to salvage? Does it go to recycling? Does it go into landfill? 
do we repair it and everything associated with that. We've got our clear MET areas, looking at the traditional mechanical electrical functionalities of the car. We've got our panel area or areas because we've got traditional, again, steel and our sort of new materials, aluminiums, composites, carbon fibres. And we've got our ACE zone. And as you've heard me talk about ACE previously, automated, connected, electrified, everything that's new that's adding to the agenda for body shops that's moving the automotive technology into a brand new phase and we are we've set our facility out to ensure that we can take body shops on that journey with us to ensure that they're prepared and enabled to safely manage these new technologies so we've built fundamentally within the facility a body shop workflow that takes us all the way through from vehicle damage assessment right through to refinish and giving the car back yeah, and I have to say, it looks fantastic down there. It's, uh, it's great to see, again, how the sort of evolution of the industry and here is reflecting that, you know, working in sync. We all talk about where we're going, but when you actually kind of see it down here as well, it kind of really sparks that thought that, uh, yeah, you can see where this is all moving and, and likely to evolve and continue to evolve, I'm sure. It's bound to. Yeah. Um, we don't know what we don't know, and that's the what that's the, and that's a great thing across this whole um, area of automotive technology. It's moving at such a rapid pace, um, and I'm really excited to take to take our customers with us on this journey through this thing and and support the repair sector. It's an important sector. Cars have accidents. People need body repairers to help them get their car back. Um, it's an interesting one. I think this, we talk about sustainability a lot. There's lots of conversation about sustainability. I actually think this is probably the most sustainable industry that, that exists. You put two million accident damaged vehicles back on the road rather than going in a landfill. We, yeah. we, we give car drivers their cherished asset back, back in its pre-accident condition everything reinstated so it operates effectively as it did prior to the accident rather than okay total lost that one send it into landfill i think it's i think it's on a esg <laughs> body repair should just get a tick in the box <laughs> i mean it's great to see you so enthused as well because you know you, you showed me around it earlier you know, i could see the enthusiasm oozing from you and it's uh, you know it's wonderful and i think it takes that enthusiasm you know, within the industry, we're all faced by tough times. And, you know, it's great to just see how it's evolving bit by bit. And we're continuing to look to the future and an exciting future. But one, as you say, which nobody quite knows uh, which turn it's going to take um, as we go ahead. And now, not only here, there have been lots of developments, but we've also seen, and I'm sure people have seen Gamston. Yeah. What's happening there? So Thatcham bought an airfield. <laughs> <laughs> As, you do. As you do. We have a, an ambition to create a, a centre of excellence around automotive, um, automated driving testing and uh, a safety assurance centre for vehicles. We want to work with vehicle manufacturers, work with government to ensure that we can attain safe adoption of all of these new technologies. And I think it's really important that the UK has a centre of excellence that's leading the path on 
setting the standards and establishing the safe adoption of these technologies. And that's what Gunston is all about. It will be a dual purpose facility, so it will still have planes taking off and landing, but it will equally have full testing capability to test automated cars, connected vehicles, and, and anything else that may come in the future. Fantastic. And I still remember one of my best days ever was with you guys at the your previous testing ground or current uh, testing ground. Hayford, Hayford. Was, was, was where we previously were, yes. Where we had, that was my first ride in a fully automated vehicle, right. which was mind-blowing. Um, and then we also had the AEB in the HDVs. Yes which again was mind-blowing to yeah. experience that so and you just got to think of how that has now progressed to all of the all of the features that we're becoming more common with today around the ADAS features the old lane keep assisting systems your blind spot detection systems your autonomous emergency braking your 360 degree parking sensors and everything else and you think about what's going to happen over the next well within the next 12 months, we're going to see the first semi-automated vehicle on UK roads, by law, allowed to drive by itself without driver interaction. There are protocols around it to ensure that the driver is still able to be get engaged. That will happen next year. So automation is not a pipe dream. It's not a myth or science fiction. It's something that's real and by working in collaboration with government and OEMs and insurers, we can ensure that there's safe adoption of these automated technologies and that the insurability of the vehicle is paramount in OEMs' mind when they're designing and bringing these cars to market. It's fascinating. Is your name on the list for that car? <laughs> your next car? <laughs> Not yet. I don't think I don't I don't think I can quite afford it just yet. Tell us a little bit more specifically about the repair side of the world so, so you know that's obviously what you head up at that sector apprentices uh you know the general trends within training at the moment what you're seeing coming through the center yeah well apprentices i'm really glad to say that as we've come out of this pandemic affected time apprentice numbers are on the increase which is something that you know i'm very passionate about heading up the academy here at thatcham and being a trustee of auto raise I'm glad to see the numbers are increasing, but they're not, in my view, increasing quickly enough. We've got an aging demographic within the workforce, in body shop, and there is a skills crisis, and it's twofold. There's the age of the technician. I think the average age is currently predicted to be something like 50, which just doesn't give you enough headspace to have enough people coming in new entrants versus the volume that are leaving through retirement, promotion, etc. So apprenticeships are a really big and important part for the sector. And over the next five years, um, an awful lot still needs to be done to make sure that we do have sustainable workforce going forward. By the end of this year, we will have taken on our largest intake. We're relatively small training provider in the apprenticeship world, but we will have taken on 100 learners this year which is fantastic and we're working with some great clients and customers and we're seeing a, a significant amount of investment not only in the apprentices themselves but in the support structure to make sure those apprentices are, 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 are attracted, they're developed and there's a retainment strategy in place to keep them in the business when they qualify. We still need to generate more.
Auto Rays want to generate two and a half thousand by 2025. We're on target for that, but the longer it takes us to get to that target, the higher future targets are going to have to be. The interesting piece you, you mentioned there amongst all of that for me is that kind of support structure. And I always sort of cast my mind back to, in fact, an interview I did with Enterprise Rent-A-Car and their uh, sort of junior management program where they have so many people coming through, but they have that support structure. And we'd always sort of thought that with apprentices in our industry, it was so important to have that structure in place because you could probably, arguably, push as many through the system, but not many would kind of stick, for want of a better term. So it's great to see that now we're you know, far more switched on to that kind of you know, whole holistic piece around providing the support. Yeah, and absolutely. having everything in place. And, and what about kind of uh, senior technicians in terms of training and then what's kind of happening there? Are there any particular trends where people are coming through and, and looking at sp certain courses or qualifications? The, the biggest trend that we're seeing and we're trying, to, we're trying to help the industry move forward on this is the biggest trend we're seeing is with the skill shortage, with a lack of capacity in the marketplace. Keeping up to date with training for existing technicians is really hard. So uh, as you know, I'm chair of the SVS 20 committee, so we look after BS 10125. We've just finished a massive revision of that standard, and we've tried to bring across the premise in there of continuous professional development. BS 10125 has traditionally been very focused on current competency and assessment of that competency to prove that somebody can still do the job that they have been doing. We have been very determined in our approach to try to move BS 10125 into professional development. So is it existing technicians rather than being reassessed continuously against skills and competencies that they've already proven are given the opportunity to develop new skills, new competencies, new understanding of the new technologies that are on vehicles. And I think that's going to be our drive going forward. So the next iteration of BS10125 will influence the next iteration of thatch and services to the repair sector in the hope that the existing technicians that are in the industry find a pathway to remain within the industry and work on the newer vehicles, the electrified powertrains, the, the automated systems and the connected vehicles. It all sounds really positive you know sat here kind of you know from the outside looking in because we're moving into a, a realm now of a far more agile industry stroke workforce i think that's probably yes. fair to say with everything that you're saying and i think you know historically you were kind of pigeonholed if you entered the industry you're either this that or that and and that could have been it forever Whereas now it sounds like, you know, there's far more, right, you enter at this point, but actually there's so many paths that you could go. Politely put, this is a failing of the industry. However, it's the greatest, it's the greatest opportunity the industry has. It, it does pay well. Yeah. <laughs> in modern, progressive body shops, it's a great environment to work in. And the career opportunities that exist within this industry not just the collision repair industry itself, not just body shops, but its supply chain. Both the supply chain that are enabling it to repair vehicles and its supply chain that's giving it work provide another layer of career opportunities to progress. So you've got horizontals and verticals all over this sector where people can join the industry and 
build a career out of it rather than just simply a trade. Yeah. And I think that's where we all can add a little bit more, do a little bit more to demonstrate to not just school leavers, but people in jobs with transferable skills yeah. can look in and go, actually, do you know what? What an exciting place to be. What an amazing industry to work within. And what great opportunities does it present me? And if we can get that message into everybody from 13 to 30, we will solve that age demographic very quickly. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's, uh, it's been a sort of interest of mine how you market an industry as a whole. And I, I genuinely think we, you know, with what we see with repairers developing a pace and how they're now, you know, how a new repair centre looks. I mean, yeah, as you say, you know, just stunning places. And, and for all the right reasons, because that's the realm we are now in. Not, not only the vehicle technology we've got, the technology used to repair them, the apprentices, you know, the agility, the choice of pathways that you can take. I think it's, you know, we're certainly heading that way and it's, it's great. I think it's so exciting, like you, but uh, I'm invested in it kind of thing. I'm ingrained in it. So, uh, but it's great, it's great to hear. And in terms of those skill sets, then, so, you know, kind of this agility of the industry, probably more so than individuals. But again, what, what sort of traits of people coming into the industry? You know, what are the key traits now of those individuals coming in? Is it actually to have a, you know, a broader vision? Is it to have the agility? Is it to have certain skill sets or personalities? I think it comes very much more to the individual than the skill set that the individual has. Yep. You can definitely train the skills that are required to, to fix cars. Some of those skills take a long time to embed. Some of them can be embedded very, very quickly. So as an employer, working with training providers, as take the apprenticeship model as a prime example, you don't wait three years to have a productive individual within your team on an apprenticeship program. By working in tandem with the training provider, we certainly are an advocate for you can have productive hours from a from an apprentice within 12 weeks. By working in tandem with the training provider to understand what tasks and skills they're being taught in early and using those skills to carry out tasks inside the workshop. So you don't have to wait three years to get productive. You can get productive very quickly. The challenge in a workshop is you don't necessarily know what work's coming in. So trying to work with the training provider to ensure that you know what skills your apprentice has and using those skills as that work comes in is really important. Rather than going, right, that's the work that we've got in, now the apprentice has to do that, but it doesn't align with the curriculum that the training provider is teaching. Beyond the apprenticeship, a lot more comes down to the individual. And I don't think this is unique to the body repair market. I think it may need a change of mindset for some within the market, but start to think in your recruitment campaigns. If you can, sometimes there's an immediate need for an immediate skill, right? And you don't get away from that. So if you need a panel technician desperately, you need somebody to come to your business with panel technician skills. But if you're always open to recruitment and you're always thinking new, 
you can be looking for the right people to join your business and give them the panel technician skills. And I think that's how you build the right values and culture within a business is by looking to employ individuals who fit and then train them to do the work that you want to do rather than the traditional, I need a painter, therefore I employ a painter who can paint. That's great. You've got a painter who can paint. Now you've got a problem, they're always painting. You can't upskill that individual. So you've got to build some resilience into your structure. And to that, to the last part of that question, that agility. Well, the agility is fundamental now because it's the, the, the car's changing and you've got a plethora of different technology. And therefore, having the agility within your workforce to deal with all of those various technologies is absolutely vital. And I suppose, you know, again, that's a, a far more proactive people approach to recruitment than a reactive skill requirement process. And again, I suppose that, you know, that in itself then starts to broaden the spectrum, the, the pool in which you can, you know, find people. And added back into that, that also brings then different skill sets and ideas into a business of any sort. Absolutely. What's the old analogy? Keep doing the same and get the same result. <laughs> you, you got it. You got it. Um, so back in June at our Motor Showcase, uh, which was at the CBS Arena, get the name correct, right? You gave us a great presentation on the ACE acronym. Well, that's, very, that's okay. But fantastic look at automated, connected and... EV, electric, electrification. We spoke about those, you know, the acronym there and, and the way the industry is moving forward. What's kind of, you know, the update on that? We're moving so quickly now that actually the focus has changed and we think, you know, one thing's in hand or just going to happen anyway. Where, where are we now? If we take the journey towards automation, we hear very much from the marketplace that it's got a grip on ADAS, Advanced Driver Assistance Systems, the technologies that are sitting behind it. There might be a lack of awareness of all the various features that, that, that operate, but the market's becoming more aware of the need for calibration. I think in that field, we need to improve our understanding of what calibration actually means. Um, I still have personal worries about individuals suggesting that they're calibrating or actually believing that they're calibrating because they get an all clear from the car and there's no fault code in the system to say cameras looking in the wrong direction. I think it's important that the industry knows that you don't get a fault code about the camera not looking in the right direction. You'll get a fault code in the system if the camera's not connected and not talking to the ECU, but you won't get a fault code if the camera happens to see three degrees left or three degrees degrees right, which is why calibration is really important. But I think that is becoming, that's resolving itself. EV, I still think, is a significant challenge for the industry. Some people have really got on board, really understood it. Some people are catching up very fast, but I still believe there's a significant piece of work to go to ensure that everybody shop up and down this country can manage EV safely. And, you know, that's why last year we bought to market the EV Ready product. And that's why we're still very focused on helping body shops ensure that everybody in their workforce from front of house, deep into the workshop and end of process, balances, etc., all understand um, what their role is 
in staying safe around an electric vehicle. But I think the, as I said, the stealth warning comes around connectivity. The connected car is very significantly changing the landscape. When a car can communicate with other cars, with infrastructure and with data houses, I think our capability to understand what we need to do to be able to deal with those safely is still something that we all need to work on. Part of the work that we're doing now is to understand how we can support body shops to um, mitigate the cyber security threat that comes with opening up channels of communication from a car to third party services and ensuring that those protocols are in place to protect that car and that asset from any potential attack, whether that be malware or other type of cyber attack on the capability of that car. So that yeah, that's it for me. Connected is the next big thing that we have to at least become aware of. I think awareness of ADAS and awareness of the real potential of automated vehicles next year. Awareness of EV is growing and is getting better. Awareness of the impacts of the connected vehicle is somewhere we now need to put some, kind of put some effort into. I would like to caveat that with though, it doesn't remove the existing agenda. Repairing accident damaged vehicles, looking at traditional MET type skills, looking at traditional panel work, looking at traditional refinishing, that doesn't go away. The ACE agenda is just adding to it. So there is a significant amount of weight on body shops to be able to stay consistent with traditional and be prepared for the new and capable for the new. It's a real challenge. A very interesting challenge as well. And I thought of another little letter to go on the acronym S for sustainability. sustainability. Because that's almost a part that's, again, if you build your blocks of, you know, just traditional, i.e. what we know, those skills, then your ACE acronym. And we've, you know, all eyes are now on sustainability in one way, shape or form, ESG agenda, you know, all these things, it all knits together. And the, the connectivity piece, now, when we kind of, you know, let, take a cyber attack or, or something along those lines, but the connectivity piece and, you know, there are from the what could be extremely bad incidents, but there's also kind of almost quite simple stuff to, i.e. just preventing a vehicle from starting, uh, maybe, and, and asking, you know, almost ransom type wear stuff. Yeah, the, uh, the, the opportunity for cybercrime is there, and cybercrime comes in many different guises, all the way from, as you say, a, a basic take control and malware type cybercrime, which is you want it to switch on very much like your laptop yeah. you open your laptop up you've clicked on a on an email link that wasn't actually genuine and you've opened up your computer to hackers who have then got control and can limit your accessibility to your laptop the same could be said in cars so the important part is to control the protocols when you are opening up the communication channels between the car and another device which could be an OEM device, could be a third party device, but you're opening up that communication channel. We need to get the protocols right to ensure that everybody involved in opening that channel up and closing that channel down, the controls are well established to prevent any 
unintended access from getting through. You guys will come up with some sort of solution or idea we're, around... We're working on it. Yeah. We have our cybersecurity specialist. We're sat talking with, obviously, UK insurance, but UK government, United Nations. What are the potential threats? What are the potential mitigators to it? And working with VMs to ensure that the protocols that are established are right. We still want to be able to repair cars. Yes. But in doing so, we want to ensure that we are protecting the asset of the vehicle owner. We talk about all this stuff, and this is, you know, hey, this, you know, to, to you and I, this is super exciting. And, you know, just how exciting do you think the future of the industry is? I, and again, I reference, you know, when we're not in the greatest time, sort of, you know, the world over, if you like, at the moment. But when you look at the industry and all we've got to come and, and where we are currently, it is an exciting future, right? Well, hopefully you can sense it from it. I'm hugely passionate about it and have been for a long time. But I'm hugely excited by what can be. The technology advances, we, we speak a lot about the technology of the cars. We started this conversation with the technology advances around training. Yeah. So we, we, sat, we sat here having this conversation with mics on. I haven't had to undo my shirt and put <laughs> wires. We're, the technology opportunities are vast for the industry. We can train differently. We can repair cars differently. We can drive cars differently. I think the industry's got a massively exciting future. It will be different. Yes. And if we can fight that human resistance to change and actually get involved and get engaged in it, I think it's exciting for everybody that's in it. Fabulous. Fabulous to hear. Um, that's it. That's the, that's the tough questions done. Or are these the tough questions we're going on to? I don't know. It depends which way you look at it. But um, well, we're a bit of a private <laughs> guy. <so I> <laughs> yeah. We like to do a quick fire question round. So here we go. It's the moment of truth. Uh, what one thing might not many people know about you? Keep it clean, please. That my poodles have 10,500 followers on Instagram. I this. <laughs> it's the one it's the one interesting fact there is about me and it's not even my fact it's my wife's fact <laughs> now, don't you put yourself down that's my job but yet okay so famous famous toy poodles monty and sunny they are they are my wife's pride and joys and yeah ten and a half thousand followers on instagram that's amazing there you go you said um what would your alter ego be doing uh, as a career right now? James Bond. Could you see me? In the oh, I, I, see do like I do like a tux. I do like a tux. No, seriously, I, I, I would, I would love to be a professional golfer, but never, never a hope in hell of that. You play golf though. I walk seven and a half thousand yards with a white ball, sometimes in front of me, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I really enjoy a game of golf. I'm not the best golfer in the world, but uh, yes, I, I, I enjoy a game of golf. But to be honest, it's really difficult because I don't. There is no alter ego to Dean Lander, so I, I, I can't really imagine what I'd be doing. But acting is something that, yeah, why not? Okay, let's see if we can find you a slot in the next, I don't know, <laughs> industry movie or something. Who knows? Um, what's the best bit of business advice you've ever heard? Oh, it's not. Is it business advice? Is it business advice? It can be worldly advice. We don't mind yeah. that. Two ears and one mouth. Oh, I like that one. I think or that's great. Reason. 
Um, yeah, I think there's a, I think there's an inherent thing in this world about listen a little deeper, mm. and you might learn a little more. And here we go, right, remove yourself away from the day job. This one might be a bit tricky because you probably know more than most, but uh, out of the day job, self-driving vehicles, should they ever become a thing? Would Dean Lander have one, own one, be driven in one? Yeah, absolutely, I would. I'd rather do it when every car was automated. Yes, I would. Um, on the proviso, that the technology was legislated in a safe adoption manner, meaning that the technology was safer than a human driver. Yeah, fair enough. Can't argue with that one. It all makes sense to me. Interesting times. Dean Lander, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, Mark. My pleasure. So there you have it. A huge thank you to Dean for taking the time to talk to us. It's great to be back at Thatcham Research, looking around and seeing all that is new, both at the facility in its approach to market and seeing some of the vehicles under research within the centre. Many thanks for listening. You've been listening to the ARC 360 podcast brought to you in association with corporate partners Solera Audatex, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, Partners, Repairify, Gemini Accident Repair Centres and Presco UK, as well as Associate Partners, Trend Tracker and Thatcham Research. Look forward to catching up with you all soon.